Jesus, we thank you for, for showing up, for coming into this world so broken, so cold. And Jesus, when you came, you came in such a vulnerable way as a baby, not to condemn us, but to rescue us. And we're grateful, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's turn these lights up a little bit, if we can. Good morning, Horizon. It's good to see everybody. We're almost there, almost to Christmas, right? A few days away. We've been in this series where we're talking about God's gift to us, that Jesus is the ultimate gift to us in the forms of faith, love, joy, and peace. And so today, we, we talked about Jesus as the gift of faith, the gift of love, the gift of joy, and today we talk about him as the gift of peace. And this one is, is really great. I, I, love, I love talking about peace. I love pr- when I pray for people, one of my favorite things to pray for or to pray over someone is the peace of Christ. And I'll talk about why in just a bit. But this is one of the prophecies about the coming Messiah, and it talks about him as the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Which is interesting. Prince is a, is a royal title. Right? He's the Prince of Peace. When he comes, he comes as the Prince of Peace. And then when he was teaching his disciples, he said this. In Matthew 9, he, 5, 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. You know, children have a lot of attributes of their parents. And so he's saying, listen, if you want to have the attributes of God, if you want to look like Jesus, if you want to look like what the the Father is like, then part of what you'll do in this world is be a peacemaker, which is very different than a peacekeeper. He said, not blessed are the peacekeepers, but blessed are the peacemakers. And then... He talks about the Holy Spirit to his disciples, and he, he mentions the peace that he's going to, to give us, his, his disciples. He says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. He's saying, look, this Holy Spirit is going to come. And you're going you're gonna to feel my peace. My peace I leave with you. My shalom I leave with you. And so don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let things steal your peace. Don't be afraid, another thing that steals our peace. Because I leave my peace with you. And, and I don't leave it like the world leaves things. I don't give you a gift the way the world gives you a gift. And even when Peter is describing the gospel, notice how he describes the gospel to Cornelius, the very first Gentile believer. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news, and he could have described it any way he wanted to. This is the good news of love? Yeah, it is. This is the good news of joy? Sure, it is. When Peter is describing the gospel to the very first Gentile believer, He said, you remember when Jesus came announcing the good news of peace. Peace is the word that he used. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
Paul picks up this theme when he's talking about the, the armor of God. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In other words, the gospel of Jesus is the gospel of peace. This whole thing is about peace. How, how is it that the entire gospel is about peace? Well, I want to break that down a little bit this morning. In the Garden of Eden, when God originally created humanity, when he created everything, this, this was the design right here, that we would have this right relationship with God. We'd be connected to God, and we would be connected to our own selves. We wouldn't be at odds with ourselves. We wouldn't have that inner uh, turmoil, that inner anxiety and conflict in ourselves. And then we would also be connected to other people. There would be peace in our relationship with other human beings. And then we'd be at peace with all of creation, really, right? Peace in every aspect. This is what God designed. This is what he intended for us. This is what the abundant life looks like. When all these pieces are together, when all these connections are being made, this is the abundant life. And in the, he- the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it means completeness, soundness, contentment, and quiet. So peace isn't just the absence of conflict. Peace is much bigger than that. It's this completeness. It's this fullness. In other words, if you're not at conflict with anyone, but you still feel empty, you haven't reached peace yet. Peace is the fullness. Peace is the completeness. The shalom of God. But then sin entered the world, and it broke our peace because it broke these connections. We became unzipped, if you will. I'm always telling my kids in the wintertime, zip up your coat, right? I don't know if you guys are with me on this, parents, but it's like forever. Zip, zip up your coat. You know, me, me and Nate and Wes, we walk to school. I park just far enough away so that they have to walk through bitter cold, and um, it's just a, it's a, it's a parenting strategy. Um, and we walk through this little area walking up to their elementary school, and it's like a wind tunnel, right? Like the houses and the, the hill, it traps the wind, and there's this, like, wind tunnel. And if, if, if Nate and Wes haven't zipped up their coat yet, they do, right, at that place, because the wind comes roaring through, and, and, and you know, you got to kind of bundle up a little bit. But this is what sin did. Sin basically unzipped our relationship. It, it separated us from God. It separated us from ourselves. You ever wonder why you feel at, at odds with yourself? It's the result of sin. It separated others. You know that conflict, when you have conflict with other people, right? Sin has gotten in there. And even with creation, when you look and you see the, the brokenness of like, you know, when tsunamis hit and, and storms just destroy things, or, or even when, when people are battling cancer, you just look at the, the natural world and you're like, something is broken in the natural world. Just like humanity, here's what I believe. So can I just give you my opinion? This is not, this is just my opinion. My opinion is this. You know how people have free will? And people have used that freedom to engage in sin and it's created a lot of brokenness. I actually think God gave the natural world freedom. And that freedom has been broken. And that's why we see things like cancer and and storms and tsunamis and horrible things that happen in the world. Now obviously humans contribute to that too, if we don't take care of the environment. But I think there's a freedom that's gone haywire in the natural world. And it's the result of sin. And death enters in, right? You know the story of the Garden of Eden, right? We have death in our spirit because we're disconnected from God. We have death in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. 
And when death gets in there, we're exposed, right? Because we've been unzipped. We're exposed to death that creates a turmoil in ourselves. So things aren't even right in ourselves. Not only are we not right with God, but things don't feel right in here anymore. There's death in our relationships, right? Brokenness in our relationships. Hurt and pain. Betrayal. And of course, there's death in our bodies, right? There's this chaos that we see in nature. There's no peace here. But Jesus came as the gift of peace. He came to zip us back up. He came to zip all that back together, to reunite all those relationships. That's what peace does. It brings completeness. And it doesn't start with nature. It actually starts with God. It starts from the top down. We get reconnected and reconciled with God through Jesus Christ, and then it begins to affect how we relate to ourselves, how we think and view ourselves, right? Jesus brings peace to our broken relationship with God. We have, we have forgiveness for our sin. We don't feel distant from him anymore because our sin doesn't separate us from him anymore. So we can go to the throne of grace confidently and boldly because he's not holding our sin against us because all of the consequences are, of our sin have been put on Jesus on the cross. And so we can come to the Father because of Jesus, right? And our brokenness, Jesus brings peace to our broken connection to ourselves. All that turmoil, we can be at peace with ourselves. We can be at peace with other people. Jesus brings peace to our broken connections to others and to our broken connection to the natural world. This is a great verse. Paul's talking to the Ephesians, and he kind of lays out how it is that Jesus brought peace not only to each other, but also between us and God. He's talking to Gentiles. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. He's saying, Gentiles, you were completely separate from a life with God. But now in Christ, you who were once far away, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now watch when he talks about peace here. He says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus himself became our peace, who has made the two groups one. In other words, the, the, the Gentiles were over here worshiping their pagan gods, and the Jews were over here trying to follow the law. But the, 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 the pagan Gentiles were caught up in, in false gods, and the Jewish people were caught up in this religiosity, this, this legalism, and neither one were connected to each other or connected to God. And Jesus made the two groups one. He, he brought the Gentiles and the Jewish people together as one in Christ because they both now have the Holy Spirit. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. Do you know that in Christ, what Jesus did was not just make you a little bit better person? Do you know that that's not the gospel? What Jesus did is he made you a new kind of humanity. There's never been anything like you in the earth. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. That's never existed on planet Earth. You are a new humanity when you're in Christ. He made this one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God. So not only does he reconcile us with people that we have a brokenness with. Have you ever felt a dividing wall between you and somebody else? Jesus says, I can tear down that dividing wall between you and that other person. And not only that, not only can I reconcile you, but I reconcile both of you to God. That disconnection that you felt with God, I destroyed that barrier too. 
through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. It's this access we now have to the Father, right? He made peace because we have the Holy Spirit. Not only that, but he made us at peace with ourselves. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Some of us are still relating to ourselves as our old self before Christ. And you get angry with yourself and you get anxiety and you have fear and and you don't live at peace in your own soul because you're not relating to the new creation that you are. You still think you're the old creation, the old thing. Paul talks about putting off the the old self, putting on the new, because you are a new creation. And now we, we don't have to relate to ourselves in condemnation and shame for all the stuff that we've done in, in that old self. Like, we get to relate to ourselves as the new creation. So we can be at peace with ourselves. Philippians 4 puts it this way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace that we get actually comes and stands guard. What do you picture when you picture someone standing guard? Like, do you picture a rainbow with unicorns? Is that, is that your picture of someone standing guard? Or do you picture, like, a soldier? Raise your hand if you picture a soldier kind of person standing guard. Yeah. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying peace, the God of peace... What peace does in your life, it stands guard at the doorway to your heart and the doorway to your mind. Peace is not fluffy. There's no fluffiness to peace. When we think of peace, we think of pastel colors and fluffiness. Maybe that's just me. Let me put it this way. Peace is aggressive. Peace is militant. Peace dominates. Do those words strike a chord with you? Peace comes in and says, no, 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 I'm going to dominate your mind and I'm going to dominate your heart so that anxiety can't get in. I'm going to stand guard. I'm not going to let fear in. That's what peace does. That's what the peace of Christ does. It passes understanding. It doesn't make sense in our minds, but that's what peace does. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ skip lightly down the road. Is that what peace does? Nope. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. A king rules over a land. That's what peace does in your life. It rules. It conquers. It dominates. When the peace of Christ gets in our life, it dominates our heart. That's what it's called to do. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. Or how about this one? This is, this is one of my favorites. The God of peace will soon gently and politely escort Satan out of your life and, and give them a, a gift bag and say, be on your way. Is that what the God of peace does? This may disrupt your definition of peace. Here's what peace does. The God of peace crushes, crushes. Let me say it again. Do you feel the weight of it? It's aggressive. It's dominating. The peace of God comes and crushes Satan under his feet. That's peace. I 
I love this scene where Jesus is up preaching, and there's a guy in the room that is demonized. And the guy was fine for probably years and years, but as soon as Jesus shows up, it irritates. His presence irritates demons, and so the demon couldn't stay quiet. So this demonized person is just sitting there, and suddenly this demon rises up in him and stands up and starts shouting at Jesus in the synagogue. In Mark 1, in their synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Yes, the God of peace has come to crush Satan under his feet. That's exactly right. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus, watch what he does. He rebukes him, saying, Be silent. Literally in the Greek, it's be muzzled and come out of him. Jesus is just, you know, preaching the word. This guy stands up. He starts yelling at Jesus. What would peace dictate that you do? See, here's why I think sometimes as American Christians, we just have it all wrong. I, so I think what peacekeepers do is different than what peacemakers do. When a guy stands up and start, this demonized guy starts shouting at Jesus, what peacekeepers want to do is, Okay, guys, everyone calm down now. Let's, you know what, Jesus, we probably shouldn't have you speak here because you just stir things up and we just, you know, God's a God of peace and we really don't think you should speak. It just stirs people too much. Why don't we do this? Let's have this man join a panel. Let's have a panel. Let's have a panel discussion where, Jesus, you can talk and and this demonized man can talk and we can be at peace with each other. This is what peacekeepers do. Do you know what peacemakers do? Peacemakers go, shut your mouth in Jesus' name, right? That's what he did. He said, be silent, be muzzled. That's what peacemakers do. No, demon, you don't get to come in and you don't get to talk in synagogue today. Sorry, shut it. And then he told the demon, get out. You're not welcome here. That's what a peacemaker does. It's a little different than a lot of our definition of peace, right? It's aggressive. It's dominating. This is what peace does. I know you guys are, you guys are getting a little comfortable with this. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. All right, here we go. Mark 4, Jesus does the same thing to a storm that he did to the demon. So he's laying in a boat, and the storm is raging around him, and he's at perfect peace. Dude, dude is napping. He's at peace with God. He's at peace with himself. And so there's this perfect peace resting on Jesus. And the boat is rocking and Jesus is just snoring away. He doesn't care there's a storm. Doesn't ruin his peace. Of course, the disciples are freaking out at this point. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're freaking out, full of fear, full of anxiety. They are not at peace. Watch what happens. Jesus got up. It's the same exact language that we see in Mark chapter 1. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. In the Greek, it's the same exact word. Be muzzled. Hey, storm, shut your mouth right now. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I think some of us think the peace is the calm. It's not. Peace is the thing that shut the storm up. Calm is the fruit. 
It then got calm. But see, Jesus had this peace in him, in his heart. And he releases this peace that's inside of him. He unloads all that peace on the storm. Quiet, be still. Storm dies down, wave dies down, and then it's calm. See, it was the peace in him that he unleashed out to nature because he came to bring peace again to the natural world. We even see this in, in the human body when, when we have disease, when we have disorder in our body. What we need Jesus to come and bring into our physical body, which is a part of the natural world, is we need his peace to come in. We need his peace to bring order again to our hearts, to our mind, to our body because it's out of order. And we see this happen in Luke 8. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. It, it, there was something going wrong in her body. Her body was not at peace. Her physical body was not at peace. So she reaches out in faith and grabs the edge of Jesus' cloak. No one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. I love that. Jesus is walking in this crowd. It's not a peaceful scene. No one around there is at peace. It's hustling, bustling. Of course, Jesus is at complete peace. She reaches out in faith, and she basically takes a withdrawal from his peace. Like Her faith makes a withdrawal from all the peace that's dwelling in Jesus. And just like Jesus released that peace on the storm, just like he released it at that demonized man, it then shoots out to this woman, kind of unbeknownst to him. All this peace goes to her goes to her body. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. In other words, you just downloaded a bunch of peace. And that peace came and brought order to your body, which you experienced as healing. Now that peace that you're feeling, walk in it. Stay in it. Go in that peace that you now have. Stay in that place of peace. Jesus brings peace to our broken connection to God, to our broken connection to ourselves, to our broken connections to others, and to our broken connection to the natural world. So what does it practically look like for Jesus to be the gift of peace? I'm going to give you some really, really practical things, especially for this holiday season. It's basically this. He empowers us to overcome common peace killers. What are some common peace killers we have in our life? Well, it's when we're hurt. It's when we're anxious. It's when we're afraid. It's when we're stressed. Did I about cover 90% of the times that we don't feel peace? We have a breakdown in a relationship. We got hurt by somebody. Somebody wronged us. We're anxious about something. We're afraid of something or we're just stressed out. And we don't walk in that peace that Jesus paid for. But Jesus brought solutions to these things. So let's start with hurt. If we hold on to hurt, if somebody hurts you, if you're hurt maybe by a family member, a friend, and you hold on to that thing, here's what happens. Bitterness. It's like if we hold on to the thing that someone did, they wronged us, then it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? It just eats away at us. It's a bitter root. It digs down. It, it gets, our heart just becomes bitter, and we can't live at peace in that place. 
sometimes we have a hard time going to sleep at night. Have you ever had this where you're just at odds with someone, you're in conflict with someone, and, and you're hurt by them, and so you go down, and you were fine all day. You were fine all day. You didn't think about it once. Then you lay your head down at, at night, and suddenly the argument begins that you're going to win because you're having both sides. Like, you know, next thing you know, it's like two hours later, and you're like, I need to get to sleep. That's not being at peace. Why? Because you're hurt. Well, what's the solution? What did Jesus do? Jesus created a pathway to peace for us when we're hurt. And Jesus enabled us to give forgiveness. That's what releases us. That's what brings us peace. Now, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people. It takes the other person working to rebuild trust. It takes you working to rebuild trust. I'm not talking about reconciliation. I'm talking about forgiveness. Reconciliation is like two people playing catch, you know? Forgiveness is like taking out the trash. It's a one-way thing. It's you and God, and you take it out, and you sit it, and you're done. You release it. That's what forgiveness is. It's not saying what they did was right. In fact, the fact that you need to forgive means they did something wrong. It's admitting, I was wronged, and yet I'm not going to try to bring revenge anymore. I'm not going to try to inflict punishment on this person anymore. Jesus, you are my just judge. I'm going to release it to you. That's what forgiveness is. And when we can do that, even when we're hurt, we can sleep well at night. It brings peace. And the reason we can do it is because Jesus is our peace, because he has forgiven us of so much. Just take five minutes to list the things he's forgiven you for. And suddenly your heart of forgiveness begins to soften toward that other person. And we say, hey, God, how do you see that person? You've forgiven me of so much. How do you see that person, God? And suddenly we can release them to the Lord, and let him be the just judge. What about feeling anxious? You know, sometimes we can just have, you know, anxious thoughts about certain parts of our life, and a lot of times it's because, not all the time, but sometimes it's because we're trying to control something that we really can't control. You know, it's like things felt out of control, and, and our solution as a young kid was to try to then control our environment through certain behaviors, and, it, and, it, and because we're trying to control things that we cannot control, suddenly anxiety builds and we live these anxious lives. Because even though we try to control things, there's, in the back of our head, we know we can't control them. And that just makes the anxiety worse, right? Like it dawns on us, even though I'm going out of my way to try to control all these people and all these situations, like I know that I can't. So how does Jesus create peace for us? He, how is he our pathway to peace? Well, he, he enables us to surrender control. We, we, in this relationship with God, say, God, you are God, I am not. And, and I surrender my life to you. I know that I'm not in control. I surrender to you. And I know you're going to be with me no matter what. No matter what, you're going to be with me. So I'm going to release this to you. I'm going to stop trying to control this and this person and that situation, and I'm just going to release it to you. And when we do that, we experience peace. Sometimes it's a little different and a little deeper than, than anxiety or just being anxious. Sometimes it's actually fear. We are afraid. And when we live in fear, it disrupts our peace. So what do we do? I think we can be afraid of a, a bunch of different things, but the truth is usually at the root of fear is a lie. If you're afraid of something, it usually means at the root of something, you're believing something that's not true. You're believing a lie. And, and let me give you some examples. The result, if we hold on to that lie, is one, a performance mentality. If you believe the lie that your worth is tied up in how you perform in life, 
to God at work that you're constantly having to perform? If you live in that performance mentality, man, that's like, that will ruin you. Because it's based on this lie that you are what you do. Or what about rejection? Sometimes we're so afraid of rejection, we'll go out of our way. We become these peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. We become a people pleaser. We go out of our way to try to not get rejected. But even at the end of the day, even after we've done everything we can to make sure no one rejected us, you know how we still feel? We still feel rejected. Because it's not about trying to make sure everyone's okay with us. It's about this lie that we're believing. That somehow I have to get everyone to like me and love me, but the truth is that I am loved. And sometimes it's just straight fear. Sometimes we're just afraid of things. Like, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of being alone at night. I'm afraid of, you know, it's just straight fear. So how does Jesus bring a pathway to peace? Well, he enables us to embrace the truth. Truths like this. Failing doesn't make me a failure. Sometimes we're so afraid of failing because we think that then... We are, that's what we're thinking in our head, like, I am a failure if I fail at this. But we got to reject that lie. Failing doesn't make me a failure. Failure is a, a pathway to learning, right? Or how about rejection? Like, I am loved. God, you love me unconditionally. I'm going to base my life on that truth. I don't have to win people over. I don't have to try to get people to like me. God, you actually like me. Like, even in all my mess, you like to be around me. You love me. I don't understand how you possibly could, but you do, right? And it sets us free from fear of rejection. Or what about if we're just afraid of things like the dark or nightmares? I have a buddy who emailed me the other day, and he said, Mark, thank you so much for teaching me about the authority that I have in Christ. He said, the other night I laid down, and in the middle of the night, it was 2 a.m., I woke up to this demonic things suffocating me. This dark blanket came on me. It suffocated me to the point where I couldn't scream out. My voice was stuck for 10 seconds and I couldn't say anything and this thing had enveloped me. Now at 2 a.m., if you wake up with that, how many are gonna be a little afraid? That's a moment of fear, right? But this guy didn't, this guy didn't get afraid at all. How in the world do you wake up at 2 a.m. with a demonic darkness grabbing you and suffocating you and you can't speak? How do you wake up in that and not be afraid? You know how? He knew the truth. What's the truth? The truth is he knew he had authority. So instead of getting afraid, you know what he did? He got mad. He said, Mark, I'm so glad you taught me about the authority I have in Christ. Because instead of getting afraid, I got mad. And I started thinking in my head, how dare you come at me at night? I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am a man of God. Who are you, you demonic dark thing, to come into my room and think you can come at me while I'm sleeping? How cowardly are you to come at me while I'm sleeping? Are you kidding me? This is what he's thinking in his head. That's not fear. And this thing sensed it. And it went, "Uh uh-oh. And so it started releasing, and as soon as it released his voice, he could start talking. He starts yelling at this thing in the middle of 2 a.m. Get out of my house in Jesus' name. How dare you be in here? And he starts going after this thing. And it left. And he slept like a baby. Why? 
Because he didn't have any fear. How could he not have any fear? Because he knew the truth. And the truth set him free. And he lived in peace. It doesn't matter what comes at him at night. He's not going to be afraid. And so my guess is that things are going to stop coming at him at night. They just don't want to deal with that. Last one. Are you stressed this holiday season? Are you overcommitted? Sometimes it's because we hold on to a wrong view of ourselves, and it leads to this exhaustion that we have. How many feel that exhaustion? You know, buying the presents, wrapping the gifts, trying to do all the Christmas parties. Sometimes we just get overcommitted. We get stressed. And it's because we have, I think, one of two wrong views of ourselves. So our, our pathway to peace is this. Jesus enables us to humble ourselves. Listen, if you're stressed out on a regular basis, one of the antidotes that Jesus wants to give you this morning is you may need to humble yourself. That may seem really unhelpful. Wait, 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 wait. I'm stressed out. Now you're telling me i got to humble myself? Here's why. Acknowledging limitations leads to setting boundaries. Part of humbling yourself is saying, you know what? I can't do it all. I can't do it all. So I'm going to humble myself before the Lord and say, I cannot do all of this, Lord. I'm going to acknowledge my limitations. I'm going to set boundaries. And in the humbling of myself, it's going to lead to peace because I'm going to have these boundaries in my life. Now, for others of us, it's, we don't need to humble ourselves. What we need is to know how valuable we are, to know our worth. Sometimes what happens is we, we, we get overcommitted and we get stressed because we're trying to find value in saying yes. People ask us to do stuff, and we're like, yeah, I'll do that for you, and yes, I'll do that, and yes, I'll do that. And then eventually, we're so busy trying to appease everyone that we've said yes too much because we don't know our worth. But acknowledging my value leads to setting boundaries. If I realize, man, I can't say yes to everybody. I, I know what I'm worth. I know who God says that I am. I don't have to try to please everyone. I know my Father is pleased with me. And when I know my worth, I can start setting boundaries in my life, which will lead to peace. Now, let me tell you the dangerous part about saying that. Those of us in the room that need to humble ourselves will have a tendency to go, Mark, you're so right. I do need to know my worth. And those of us who need to know our worth will hear this and go, you're right. I need to humble myself. I am an awful person. You guys hear me on this? That's the danger here. Okay? So I just want to say a little side warning. Like, maybe ask somebody. Hey, listen, I'm having, I'm having a hard time setting boundaries. I'm having a hard time saying no. Am I in this category of I just need to acknowledge my limitations, or am I in this category over here that I need to know my worth? We might need some help from community to tell us. Because sometimes we can have a wrong view of ourselves, and it, it kind of twists our own self-diagnosis. Does that make sense? All right. What has been stealing your peace lately? Is it one of these? Here's what I want to do. Worship team is going to come back up here. I want you to think right now. Ask the Holy Spirit, which one of these? Are you, are you hurt? Are you anxious? Are you afraid? Have you been stressed? Have one of these been stealing your peace? And what we're going to do with whatever has been stealing your peace is we're going to try to release it, Okay. So what I want everyone to do is stand up. We're going to do a little prayer experience here. I want you to close your eyes if you would.
I want you to put your hands out in front of you and ball them up like a fist, as if you're holding on to something. Now, what is it that you're holding on to? What is it? That thing that you're holding on to is the thing that is killing your peace. Have you been hurt? And that's what you're holding on to. Are you anxious? Are you afraid? Are you stressed? Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what is this thing I'm holding on to? I'll give you a second. the thing that's in your hands right now. What I want you to do is raise your hands up and we're, in just a second, we're going to release that thing to the Lord. Your fists are still bald, but in just a second, we're going to release it. And I want everyone to pray this together out loud, okay? You're just going to repeat after me, but I want you to say it out loud and I want you to say it like you mean it. So pray this out loud with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for holding on to this thing. I release this thing that's in my hands to you right now. I want you to open your hands. Just see it floating away. pray this out loud. Jesus, I give this to you. I release this into your hands. And I ask for your peace to come. In Jesus' name, I receive your peace. Now just wait for it. would go, all anxiety would go, all fear would go now, all stress would go now in Jesus' name. And I invite your peace to come and blanket us, Lord, to wrap around us like a blanket. We receive your peace. Jesus, we declare this morning that you paid a high price for us to live at peace. God, we ask for your help. We want to walk in a way that's at peace with you, Father. We ask for your peace to come into our hearts to guard our hearts and minds. We want to be at peace 
with the people around us. God, we want to be at peace with our own bodies, with the natural world. We invite your peace to come and invade and dominate and displace any chaos, Lord. We invite your shalom to come and bring order. And Jesus, we declare that you are our Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name.